Hi, I'm Steve Pyle, and you're listening to Protoss because you want to learn more about the Kingdom of Heaven. I have with me the founder of this podcast series, Wayne Back. Wayne has previously been a physicist, a senior pastor, an executive pastor. He's been a corporate trainer, has had his own corporate training organization, and consulted to many businesses both here and internationally. He's planted Bible colleges and run missions both here and internationally. And we're going to learn from his wisdom today. So what's the subject today, Wayne? So today we're going to be discussing strategy from a kingdom perspective. Previously, we've introduced the truth that we all share the same kingdom mission, Mm -hmm. and that is to bring heaven to earth. We've also discussed that a kingdom vision is to achieve that mission, and it's unique for us as individuals, just as it's unique for enterprises. And kingdom vision is concerned with what aspects of heaven we are called to bring to what parts of the earth. And since vision is ultimately about people's behaviour, it's about the development of a kingdom culture. It's a cultural mission. Good summary, Steve. Kingdom strategy is about how we go about developing that culture. You've covered the concept of kingdom strategy in some depth in your book entitled Kingdom Culture. Yes, and I'll use some of those highlights from the book in today's discussions. Personal, church and corporate organisational culture all change in the same way. In fact, the elements of kingdom strategy are the same for all of us. The elements may be the same, but which ones are deployed and how we use them may differ from case to case. Correct. And from my observations, churches especially can have vision without effective strategy. And all vision needs strategy to be attained. It doesn't matter whether this is for us personally or for an organisation. Paul said in Romans seven eighteen that within himself he wanted to do good but didn't have the ability to do so. This can also be true in organisation. Lee Bowman said, a vision without a strategy remains an illusion. That is so true. Some leaders think that they only need to focus on the vision and if people get excited enough about that vision, they'll kind of figure out how to achieve it. So they give people the what without giving them the how. That's true. And I, I see, uh, have seen several outcomes of this. You know, there's always strategically orientated people in those organisations and they figure out their own how. They're good at strategy. They know how to make things happen like that. There's also a lot of smart people there who aren't strategically oriented. They'll look around for a strategy. They'll copy someone and that generally tends to have mixed results. Well, someone else's strategy might be flawed, right? Yeah, it's tailored for them and their situation. So it might work partially. Many people however, meander about from one strategy to another with occasional fruitfulness or varying success. And there's still a whole other bunch of people who don't think they need a strategy and that the vision will work by itself, as you've said. And in this last category, there's several things can happen. Firstly, people give up on the vision. This is called vision fatigue because they don't see the vision coming to pass. And the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. They settle into a mediocre, sickened heart type of life. Or secondly, they don't want this sort of mediocre, heart-sickened sort of life, and so they redefine their targets. They draw the target after they fire their arrows. (laughs) And so they convince themselves that they experience a fulfilment of vision, even though any rational observer wouldn't agree. If you draw the target after you fire the arrows, you can never be wrong, can you? That's the way you can justify your own heart and keep on the vision process, if you like. Okay, but then how does culture change? I've been fortunate to be engaged with in corporate and church worlds around cultural change, and I've discovered that a few simple things that Jesus said can really summarise how culture changed. And it kind of makes sense if his mission is to bring heaven to earth 
And that's essentially around culture. He's going to be talking about how culture changes constantly. So he talked about it in the terms of leaven in Matthew 13, 33. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. You should really get your attention there. He goes on to say, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all leavened. I believe that this simple parable gives us a strategic overview of how we bring kingdom culture. Because when Jesus talked about how the kingdom extends on earth, he spoke about leaven influencing meal, that we allow the leaven, that is the power of the kingdom, to get into us and transform us so we're carrying more of it. And then we go and contact the meal, and the meal is people, of course. The leaven, that is those with kingdom culture, helps people to rise to their heavenly potential. So culture changes as people with a certain culture actually allow the culture they're carrying to influence people without that culture. That's true of any culture, any positive culture, any negative culture. Mm -hmm. That's how culture develops, that there are people who have something desirable or non-desirable, and they're influencing people to follow them in their behavior. In the kingdom sense, that kingdom culture grows as people with the culture of the kingdom influence those who have less of the culture of the kingdom. This strategy implies that by their mere presence, kingdom people should be transforming their environment to be more like the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' heaven on earth cultural strategy is for us to be kingdom leaven and then find a way to be in contact with people. Consequently, Jesus spoke more about who we should become than he did about what we should do. Whether it's personally or corporately, we may have whatever programs we like as long as it includes having kingdom leaven and getting those people to influence others. It's important to note at this stage that the leaven's role here, that is us, is not to make more leaven. It's to unlock potential in people. There seems to be a pattern of this in Scripture, isn't there? For example, it was God's intention for the Jews to be the priests of the world, not to make all the world to become priests. Yes. There is this evangelism mandate. We do want to help people find Christ, but that's actually part of the picture. The rest of the picture is to be priests on the earth. Part of that role is not to make other priests, but it is actually to bring the presence of the kingdom of God to others. Matthew 13, 24, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. In the parable of the tares and the wheat, people assume that Jesus is saying that the seed is the word of God. But when he unpacks the parable, Jesus says that the seed is the sons of the kingdom. In verse 38 of Matthew 13, it says, The field is the world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. When the scripture uses the term sons of, it's talking about a person's predominant quality. And so in this case, it's talking about people who have the kingdom as their predominant quality. That is, they're carrying kingdom culture. He sends his people with kingdom culture as seeds into the world. So if the leaven quoted is the kingdom's power, how do we possess more of it? Good question, Steve, Mm. in the heart of what this podcast is about. And so we're going to be talking about four strategies we find in Scripture to produce or to create kingdom culture. Kingdom strategy one, if you like, is that we help people become kingdom leaven through personal transformation. And so whether we're thinking personally for us or for an organization of people, culture, of course, changes as individuals change. And the Scripture talks about how people change to be kingdom leaven. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us one way in which this happens. It says, We all with unveiled face, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And this word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho, which you get the word metamorphosis. The word refers to a complete change from the inside out. 
as in how a caterpillar changes into a butterfly. And this is, in fact, the same word used when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain where he shone with light. That suggests to me that this transformation is on many levels. It's spiritual, it's emotional, it's mental, it's physical. It's a complete change. Absolutely. The first way we need to look at personal transformation is through spiritual experience. Whether we're running church or business or other kingdom enterprises, how are people having spiritual experiences? But Romans 12, 2 says there's another way to be transformed, and that is by the renewing of our mind. In Kingdom Strategy 1, if you like, and we're looking at personal transformation, we do look at spiritual experience, but we also look at our patterns of thinking. And so when our patterns of thinking become aligned with the truth, we're also transformed. And there are different ways we can renew our minds. And Paul gives a great summary of this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, where he says, And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In this small passage, we see some processes, and these processes are throughout Scripture, but this small Scripture kind of summarizes them all. The things that Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 2, 2 are the things that he receives through encounters with the Lord, if you like, revelation. He talks about hearing among many witnesses, and so he taught that revelation, so teaching is a part of our personal transformation plan. He says, commit these to faithful people. This phrase, commit these, literally means to draw alongside. It's a process we would call in our day mentoring. And it finishes up with teach others also. And so this is not the hearing among many witnesses referred to in the earlier part of that scripture. It's what we would call today coaching. That is the transference of skills. And the others are meant to do something about these things. So there's a doing. And so there's five processes really summarized in this one short scripture. That is encounter, teaching, mentoring, coaching, and doing. And these things really help us to bring transformation in our lives. That's amazing that to be able to pull those five things out of what I've probably just read over as a very simple scripture. There's a lot of depth in that. I can see now if we activate all five of those processes intentionally, we're more likely to experience accelerated transformation than if we simply just randomly allow one or two things to happen almost accidentally maybe. Yeah. Whether you're leading your family, whether you're leading a business, an enterprise, a church, or even yourself, whatever, you should consider how you can implement those five processes. Yeah, absolutely. As Kingdom 11, we need to be having more of the kingdom in us. And that comes through personal transformation. I've implemented these transformational components over three decades in leading churches, ministry colleges, training and development companies, and business communities. And the more of these processes you activate in a person's life at once, the more their transformation accelerate. If we're leading an organization, we should really consider having a development plan for every individual, which includes as many of these components as we can. You cover this topic very well in your book, which is called Kingdom Culture, and in your personal transformation video course. Both the book and the course can be found at kingdomculture.com.au. Now, you mentioned earlier that leaven is the power of the kingdom within us. What exactly are the elements that make up the concept of Kingdom Leaven and how can we recognise them? Perhaps the simplest way to recognise the elements of Kingdom Leaven in people is through the SED model. That's the Spiritual Enterprise Diagnostic Model that we've covered in detail in previous podcasts. That's also explained in a lot of detail in your book, Kingdom Culture. Yes, and to me, these are the elements of Kingdom Culture. So when we're looking at our personal development or the development of a group of people, these are the things that we should consider building through these development processes. As a reminder, the the elements of that SCD model is being Christ-centered, being apostolic and prophetic, being evangelistic, being relational, being developmental. 
building positive team climates, creating and building kingdom or personal character, and finally creating and building kingdom or spiritual power. And we're doing those processes. We teach people the keys of the kingdom. Through these keys, more of the kingdom comes into their world. And once again, we've covered those keys in previous podcasts as well, and they include faith, prayer, humility, servanthood, and all the others that we've previously covered. Now, your book, I keep mentioning it, but it really is the crux of the subject matter of the book. It took me a while to write it, Steve, so I'm glad you're plugging it. (laughs) The book is Kingdom Culture, and it has specific chapters on building spiritual culture, apostolic culture, and the culture of innovation. What is the next strategy then? Strategy one, personal transformation. Yes. Uh, Strategy two is really removing and adding leaven to ourselves, around ourselves, and around the groups that we lead. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 to 7 says, Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. That makes a lot of sense. Both sides. So whatever culture you want, it can be developed further by adding people who already have that culture. We also have to remove those people who are detrimental to the culture you want to develop. As the old saying goes, one rotten apple can spoil the whole barrel. We see this in enterprises all the time. Also in our personal lives, we allow people with kingdom culture to influence us and we restrict those who do not. It doesn't mean we separate ourselves. We just don't allow allow them to influence us. And in church or other corporate life, we attract those with the kingdom culture we desire and we kind of isolate and even expel those who have the opposite. I mean, that's not, that's not a great word to use in a church sense. But in any organisation, we do need to isolate the influence of those carrying a negative culture. That is so true. Yeah, in the corporate world, it takes a lot of wisdom to hire the right people with a desired culture and fire those that are undesirable because we know that that undesirable culture can become dominant and negatively influence those around carrying that culture we want to cultivate. We have to also remember that a single person won't carry all the kingdom culture strongly. Different people have different strengths. Hmm. But if you do want to build one of these cultures that we talked about in the SCD model in your personal church or corporate life, a very simple thing to do, if you like, is to add people who really carry these cultures. And uh, we allow them to influence as their influence can live in the whole lump. This is not just about staff if we're running an organization, but friends, board members, consultants. I've heard so many times in training environments with so many different organizations that the culture of a small group can be radically changed by the presence or absence of a single person, positive person or a single negative person of influence. I've experienced that in organizations as well. I know exactly what you're talking about there. Yes, Steve, in organizations, this is a way that is used to achieve cultural change quickly. Hiring people with a desired culture and firing people who do not carry that culture, especially in leadership roles, is really a go-to strategy for corporate cultural change. When an enterprise doesn't pay attention to new influential staff, they can unconsciously change the culture by bringing unwanted characteristics into the organization. Firing people who do not carry the desired culture communicates a strong message to the others as well about the type of cultural transformation we're desiring in this organization as well. It really tells that story of who we are and the way we do things, what the rules are, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, et cetera. I was involved uh, leading a cultural change program for a large sporting enterprise in Australia. They decided to fire all their doormen in all of their centres, 18 or so entertainment venues. And without giving away too much information, they were kind of ageing, large, framed ex-wrestler types. 
and they were replaced by hiring young people already trained in customer service from their local McDonald's stores, which so happened to be kind of next door to most of their entertainment venues. <laughs> well, that sounds like a rugby club, and those doormen sound like much-beloved ex-players to me. Yeah, that could be right, Steve. In my book, Kingdom Culture, I go into some greater depth about culture-based advertising, interviewing, and selection, because in these processes, you can make sure you're hiring people of the culture you're wanting to develop. So from a kingdom perspective, what leaven should we be looking out for to remove? If someone's exhibiting an opposite of one of the elements of the SED model, for example, you're wanting to develop a positive team climate and they're just not good team leaders, or you want them to be relational and they are very transactional, for example, you have a look at those. But, but Jesus also said to be wary of religion and control. Mark 8.15 says that Jesus charged him saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He said to be particularly wary for the lookout for religion and control because these two things stop people from entering the kingdom. Religion and control, they are two factors that even secular organisations will usually look to try and avoid. And I'm using religion here as people with hard and fast rules and rituals that they put around their lives that they have no intention of changing as opposed to using it as a synonym for faith. And, of course, politics, control. I mean, that you don't want that playing in your organisation as well, people no. working behind the scenes to bring things down. Your well, political control, white anting and destroying yeah. people's reputations, um, all that kind of stuff. All undesirable yes. cultures. So that's strategy number two. What's kingdom strategy three? Kingdom strategy three is really coming from the same parable of Jesus, and that's just not need to create leaven. The leaven needs to contact the meal. The idea of people of the kingdom hiding away in a cave is exact opposite of this. We need to come into contact with people. This is typically where churches try to get their people involved together in groups or in the community. But the real issue is, are people mixing it up? We know Jesus totally mixed it up with people of his day. And so there needs to be some sort of engagement. One of the things that Paul did was that he sent Timothy to a church to show people how to live a kingdom life. 1 Corinthians 4.17, Paul said, For this reason I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul sent Timothy to the church at Corinth because he was already living the same way that Paul was. It wasn't just about his message. He had his letters for that. It was about his ways. So rather than just being a glorified postman delivering Paul's letters, people could actually experience Christ's ways that were mirrored by Paul through Timothy's actions. So Timothy's relationship with Paul enabled him to take on that kingdom leaven. That's right. Deuteronomy 34.9 is another example with Joshua and Moses. It says that Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. This wasn't an altar call. Took a hold of him and mentored him and they spent time together. We see from these two and many other things, culture is caught, it's not taught. So you can't create a culture simply by teaching people. It's by getting people of culture to interact with those who you want to have that culture. On an individual level, we can respond to this by identifying people we already have around us who are carrying aspects of the kingdom we want to see develop in our lives, and we engage with them. It's not just about hearing messages. You're not going to develop culture but just by listening to this podcast, taking the steps of engaging people who are carrying it. And in an organisational sense, uh, we expose people in an organisation to culture champions, typically at the key touch points of the organisation. That's a great strategy in an organisation, and that includes when we're recruiting, inducting, training, communications, and all places where the organisation touches its stakeholders. 
Yeah, that's right. An example of this is that we would have our highly culture aligned employees or values champions, as they're sometimes called, to be involved with our onboarding. So we get those that are carrying the culture to really get alongside those who are new to the organization. And so they're, they're hearing the right messages, they're seeing the right actions, rather than someone pulling them aside saying, well, that's really not how the way things work around here. I also go through this in, in some greater detail about building culture through the key touch points in book Kingdom Culture. Okay, so the third strategy is how we engage with people. What's kingdom strategy number four? Kingdom strategy four, another simple one. The parable we referred to earlier, Jesus says that the leaven is hidden. That word hidden literally means to incorporate with. We want to help people who are carrying the desired culture to be accepted and for them to influence those we want to carry it more. Mm, It's one thing to carry a culture. You can carry it and it can be of no value if it's not influencing other people. That's right. I mean, I think we've all probably come into contact with people who are acting a certain way and we're thinking, yeah, I don't want to be like that person. And so we want those that we identify as culture champions to become influencers. We can achieve this through both formal and informal leadership. There's formal levers that we have in organisations through positions, promotion, endorsement, recognition and so on. We can also think about informal influence, and we develop informal influence by giving something to people, and I uh, cover this in some depth in my course on kingdom leadership and a whole chapter in my book, Kingdom Culture. Yeah, so the big picture is we really should be helping our cultural champions to give what they have to others. After all, people only develop influence by giving to others, and we should celebrate that and promote that so they want to do more of it. Yeah, people always want to be, how do I become an influencer? Well, really, it's very simple. You give something to someone who wants it, mm-hmm. who, does, who values that thing. I find the most replenishable resource I have to give is what I've already freely received from the Lord. And so what that literally means, I, I give out of the gifts of God in my life. There's all sorts of people want all sorts of things and there's all sorts of needs. And I can try to meet what every person says they want from me and it exhausts and depletes me. But if I give out of what I'm given freely, I've got continual access for that grace on my life to keep giving out. And so you probably know, Steve, I don't freely receive mercy. So if someone requires mercy, I get quickly tired. But when we look at kingdom strategy, there's really four essential ingredients that we can apply personally or to our organizations. Firstly, personal transformation. And that is by different processes we looked at. We can look at adding or removing leaven out of our personal or corporate life. We can mix with people who are carrying leaven and we can develop influence and helping others who are carrying the living we want others to have to influence them. That's an excellent summary of four kingdom strategies, Wayne. That's probably a good place to stop for today. We do need to continue this discussion. So in the next podcast, let's do that. Absolutely, Steve. You've been listening to Protoss, a podcast that explores pursuing the kingdom. We look forward to talking again soon. Until then, I'm your host, Wayne Beck. And I'm Steve Kyle. And we both wish you every success in your pursuit of more of the kingdom. Mm